he goes and gets wings and throws them on the board. Now listen, man, this guy's breaking <laughs> barriers down. You're listening to Leafs Lunch with Julia Tusheri and Michael DeStefano on TSN 1050. The Leafs live here. Leafs Lunch is brought to you in part by 241pizza.com. Enjoy plant-based garden pesto pizza, pizza and wings, pizza and penne combo, and more. Visit 241pizza.com. Second hour of Leafs Lunch underway. I'm Mike DiStefano. Got Dave Fastchuk of the Toronto Star in here with me uh, in place of Julia Tesheri, who's gone for the next couple of weeks on World Juniors duty. You stoked uh, to get the juniors back in, in the winter? Like It was so bizarre having the juniors through the summer, it just kind of—I don't know—it just didn't didn't hit the same way no. that it typically does. Starting on Boxing Day, the New Year's Eve Classic, watching it on you know on January first, it just didn't hit the same. No, it couldn't, and it was no fault of the players. I felt bad for the players that they kind of were relegated to a summertime event when everybody wanted to be mm-hmm. outside, and 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 here we are again. It's Boxing Day. It's coming up, and and we're going to be all sitting inside watching TSN and the World Juniors for a reason. That's a, that's a, a good point is I was watching it on, on the back deck. I believe I was yeah, I was probably sitting in the hot tub watching a couple of the games on wow. the television out there in the back bar. So that part was Love okay. It. Love it. But, See, you got that uh, set, it that's, the setup I, that's the setup <laughs> I aspire to. I got to get a hot tub outdoors with a TV in full view. I, I may have made it when I get that, Al's brother. Well, a good thing is, you know, we've got it set up where it's I can also do it in the winter. So come Boxing Day, I'll probably have to sit my little butt in the hot tub, turn the TV over in the bar, and watch from there. And I'll probably have the same situation in, uh, you know, over the next couple of weeks. Realistically, maybe you can come and join. Well, I'll have a, I'll have a nice frosty beer hey. sitting right there for you. I mean, I'm going to be in Niagara, buddy. Don't, don't tempt me. Yeah. I'm going to be in Niagara. Yeah, you go back visit the family during the holidays. That's right. Yeah, I'll be down there, man. Nice. Hey, don't 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 invite me. Don't make this a don't make this an empty gesture. <laughs> hey. If you if you invite me, I will show up. Fess, it's not an empty calorie offer there, pal. If you're around and you got time, I'll have a cold beer waiting for you. We'll dig into some World Juniors talk and watch, and we'll have a good time. It's a good club. It's a good squad. They've got a lot of young kids. I mean, well, you're you're you know your boy. You you've known a lot of these kids for a while yes. now. That at, Long time. at this point, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it probably yeah, means no, a little bit extra for you just seeing these kids. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, my son was a, a 2003 born kid, so and played on that Dominos Flyer team before, actually before Shane Wright got there, and they were the Pee Wee champs when my guy was on it, and uh, but then they turned into the juggernaut that won the OH, you know, the OHL Cup, and. And had you know Brendan Offman, who's on this team, and and Shane Wright, and and had you know it was, and then yet yeah, Ethan Del Mastro, one of the assistant captains, played uh, in that loop for many years. It's it's there's a lot of GTHL kids, and obviously Adam Fantilli, yep. another one who was a year younger and is is an absolute phenom, and is going to become I think going to become a household name very shortly here, up there with the Connor Bedards of the world because Adam Fantilli's got incredible skill and he's had it from a you know from an early age. It was very evident that he was going to be a star so yeah it's gonna be really fun when you see these kids when they're six years old then you see them on tsn when they're full-blown men it's uh it's it's quite a progression 
Yeah, absolutely. So that tournament will start on Boxing Day officially, and we'll have the game here on TSN 1050. Um, let's let's go around the league a little bit. We spent a lot of time talking about the Leafs uh, so far. Obviously, a big victory last night over the Tampa Bay Lightning. We'll continue to do that in about 20 minutes or so when we're joined by uh, Jim Ralph, who was helping call in the game with Bonesy last night. But why don't we get into today's edition of our five days of Christmas. Still a person this year. I just want my family back. I wanted what I that I will never, ever be able to hit, my friends. Mariah Carey hits it every single time. <laughs> uh, hey, the don't feel bad, us, brother. Nobody hits oh, those yeah. notes other than Mariah. No. No, nobody. Uh, it's the Leafs Lunch, five days of Christmas. It continues. And today we're going to take a bit more of a league-wide and team approach to it. Um, we're, we're doing stocking up or stocking down. You know, you've got the stockings up on the mantle every Christmas that you're putting up. So we're going to look at some teams who are trending upwards and some teams going in, well, the not-so-right direction. Let's start with the positives and some teams that are stocking up. So we've got three clubs who are uh, on the right side of things, on the up-and-up. Why don't we start with the first one who who we have here on this list, um, and it's the New York Rangers. I think the Rangers are a team that started off a little bit slow, but as of late, they've really been picking it up. And And, and I know they lost last night, technically, but you know, over the course of the last month, they've been one of the better teams in the National Hockey League. You've got Igor Shosturkin, who's been finally picking his game back up after a bit of a, a slower start to the season. Um, Adam Fox is playing at an elite level. I think this is a team that was uh, had a slow start to the year, but Gerard Gallant hasn't playing right now. Yeah, no doubt about it. And their and their best guys are starting to pick it up too. Artemi Panarin, mm-hmm. what's he got? Fifteen points in his last ten games. Zabinajad's so been really good. Uh, Trocheck's been been solid. So yeah, you're right. After a bit of a slow start, that they, they are the blue shirts are playing exceptionally well. How about their road record so far this year? Like at home, they have been great. Seven six and four at MSG. They go out onto the road eleven five and one. That's impressive. You don't see that too often. That is yeah, impressive, very for impressive. sure. For sure. Uh, another another team that we think is is trending upward is the Carolina Hurricanes, and I mean they they're they might be next to the Boston Bruins. Would you say that the Carolina Hurricanes might be the second best team in the league right now? They're looking like it. They really. I mean, look, they haven't they haven't lost in regulation in the month of December. They're on a twelve game point streak. Uh, they, we know how sound defensively they are, uh, you, you know, and, and so when you look at that and you look at the way they are rolling right now, I mean, no one, it's hard to compare anybody to Boston. I think Boston has separated themselves, Al's brother and put themselves in a separate category this season, uh, with, for, you know, in terms of statistics for sure. And just in terms of their consistency, but Carolina, Hey man, the, if you want to start peaking, uh, a little closer to the playoffs. Carolina's on that road right now, and they're they're certainly on a trajectory that suggests that uh, they're a very serious contender. 
Yeah, I, I mean, it's a team, too, I believe, last night. Uh, they beat the Devils, and they end up leapfrogging them. And, you know, that was a team that seemed destined to do great things this year, and they still very well might. They've been a little bit of a rut here. But, like, last night, uh, Carolina just completely took over that game, and, and, and I thought that they won. Um, and, and they got this young goaltender who we were talking about with Carlo a little bit, Peter Kachekov, who, to me, to me, right, I don't have a vote. You yep. actually do. But to me, this kid's got to be the, the, the leader in the clubhouse when you look at the, the Calder race. Yeah. I mean, he's been he's been really solid. I mean, now I know you try to lobby and influence voters because you've got a big. No, I would never do this. that. Yes, you, I would you've never got a do 200 that. to 1 futures bet on Mr. <laughs> Kachekov, and, and you're trying to sway me so that you can cash in that ticket, which I totally understand. It's a very shameless move, Al's brother, but it's also <laughs> a very smart move, and you've you got to put That's this right. guy's name on the radar. You're right, because it, it's not often that a goaltender wins the Calder Trophy. The last guy to do it was Steve Mason back in 2009, but you're right. Like I think Matty Bernier's is uh, probably the, the favorite right now in, in most books. Am I right about that? Uh, yeah, he is the favorite right now. He's you know about two hundred or uh, two to one odds, I suppose, to to win the rookie race. He is at FanDuel at the very least, and Kachekov's right behind him at about right. three to one odds. So, like, look, but when you look at his stats and you break it all down, like this kid's playing out of his mind. He's got a one ninety four goals against, which is second to only Linus Olmark in the entire NHL. Uh, he's got a nine twenty eight save percentage, which is tied for third behind Olmark and Ilya Samsonov of the Maple mm-hmm. Leafs, and he leads the league alongside the names of Halibut and Sorokin with three shutouts. And this is a guy who's only played about. What, 15 games, I think. Like he yeah. hasn't even played a whole lot. He didn't start the year as a. St- he started the year as the team's number three, and then right. down goes Freddie Anderson. Which shocker could have predicted that one. Down goes Anti Ranta. Shocker could have predicted that one. And here comes Peter Kachetkiv, a second round pick a couple of years ago. Still a very young goaltender, um, and he just picked up the job and and he's running with it. And I think he's gonna become this team's number one goalie and, and surpass those two and end up with a lot of starts. If they end up winning the President's Trophy or they win a division, I mean, that's got to that's gotta go somewhat of a long ways when it comes to, like, deciding if he should be Calder-worthy or not, no? Hey, man, it's, it's certainly going to – he's going to get a lot of support from Leafs lunch between now and voting time. I'll tell you that right now. I got a sneaking suspicion, I was brother. So good for you. for yeah. No, you, you, you bringing this guy to, to people's attention, and, and clearly he deserves it. But, but I do think, look, if we're being a little bit realistic here, it is a small sample size. Yeah, 15 games does not a NHL legend make, and it's certainly not a Calder Trophy make. So he's going to have to keep doing it. Uh, but, hey, great right. start and an amazing, amazing performance from a guy that, as you pointed out, nobody saw coming. Except for you. Um, I'll <laughs> Well, I'll say this. I, I did lobby pretty hard for bunting last year. I may have also had a Futures on that one and it did not go go so well for me so i don't know my track record of of being a good lobbyist when it comes to award voting it's not that high keep trying keep trying uh i will i will i think he's deserving but uh you're right there's a long way to go before uh before that's obviously solidified and the last team that we're going to mention is as one of those teams that are surging and and uh stocking up um on our five days of christmas 
uh, themed stock up, stock down edition today is the Buffalo Sabres. I mean, this is a club that's looking pretty good. They've won seven or last ten. They've won four in a row. You've got Tage Thompson out here just every single night dazzling with a beautiful goal or he's putting up five goals in a game, four goals in periods. Like, this guy's been yeah. outstanding. And talk about also young goaltenders. They, they've they they've kind of found one themselves the last couple of games, this Uka Pekalukanen character. He's just starting to stop some pucks. I know. And look, man, if they get solid goaltending, that's going to be key because if you ask the mm-hmm. average NHL fan on the street today, I was brother – who is the highest scoring team in the league? I'm not sure how many of them would have the right answer, but the right answer is the Buffalo Sabres. And this team can yep. score. And it's, you know, Tage Thompson is making a run at the Rocket Richard, only two back of Connor McDavid right now. McDavid has 28, Thompson has 26. Uh, and they, you know what, they've, you know, they, they haven't lost, uh, what, one regulation loss in their last 11 games? Like they, they're starting to put it together. And, yeah, there's always going to be concerns about the back end. But, again, if they can get some decent goaltending and they keep scoring the way they're scoring, this is an exciting team. People are talking about the Buffalo Bills as Super Bowl favorites and Josh Allen as, a, <laughs> as one of the most exciting players in the NFL. How about this Sabres team as one of the most exciting properties in the NHL? Yeah, they're absolutely one of those teams that, uh, you know, are – trending towards stocking up towards being must watch with with Tage Thompson and they're getting like th- that blue line is coming along though that's the thing for this team and they're they're growing like Rasmus Dahlin is having his breakout campaign this year like he's yeah. in the conversation for the Norris you've got Matias Samuelson now that he's back and healthy like this guy played like 28 minutes the other night I know a lot of people clowned on that contract when he signed because literally scored zero goals and they right. gave him 30 million dollars but it's a good player like he's a quality shutdown defenseman um, and, and he's playing heavy, hard minutes for them each and every night. So they've got some pieces on the blue line. Owen Power, obviously, another oh, yeah. GTA kid who was a first-round pick a couple of years ago. He's going to be coming into his own. You know, this team is certainly trending up. I didn't even mention Dylan Cousins, who's basically had a point-per-game player, 31 points through 32 games, um, and he's only 21 years old. So yeah, that's also a guy who's going up. Alex Tuck, another guy. Like, there's just so many guys who, who they've put together a good team. Um, Kevin Adams deserves a lot of credit for, for the way that he's rebuilt this Buffalo Sabres. Um, and, you know, that was, was so much turmoil with the whole Jack Eichel situation. And they've come out better on the other side. Yeah, look, I mean, last year was was a tough year with the Eichel situation and, you know, the fact that, you know, power didn't play and, and all the rest of it. It was there, there were a lot of ugly moments there and you did wonder about the direction of this franchise. But to your point, when you got a, a young stud like Dali on the back end and then you've got this unicorn in Tage Thompson, who's had this incredible breakout moment uh, in his career in his mid twenties. Yeah, this is this is a nice recipe. And, and you're right. It, it does. It bodes well for this team. Uh, which, frankly, can't really talk about many moments uh, in recent memory where things have gone this well. But, when you, hey, this, the way Tage Thompson is rolling, 50 points, Al's brother, in 32 games. The last Sabres, the last Sabres to do it, you, this is the conversation they're having in Buffalo. The guys that have done that as Sabres, their names are Pat LaFontaine, Oh. Alexander McGilney and Gilbert Perro. Only like three of the probably three of the best players, if not the three best players in franchise history. So Tage Thompson has put himself in some pretty select company. 
So when I came back from my vacation and I looked up the stats, just trying to refamiliarize myself on what was going on in the hockey world, and I saw Tage Thompson had rocketed up to third in the NHL in points. Yeah. I was floored. He's got 50, as you mentioned, and that's good for third in the NHL, only behind uh, Connor McDavid and Leon Dreisaitl, who, I mean, have scored a lot of those on the power play, to be honest right. with you. So, I mean, Tage Thompson, he's getting it done um, both at 5-on-5 five five and on the power play as well. So, yeah, that kid's been unbelievable. Uh, quickly, an honorable mention that you wanted to touch on, the Pittsburgh Penguins, you think is trending, stocking upward. Oh yeah, they're they're starting to roll, and it's it's great to see. Actually, I mean, how many times do people want to write this team off and say, "Well, they can't possibly, they can't possibly keep doing it." They're, they've been hanging on to the Crosby, Malgin. Uh, I said Malgin, Malkin, <laughs> not not the not the Gino Malgin era, the the, the Evgeny no. Malkin era, uh, and they've been trying to milk that. And obviously, with with Latang having the unfortunate situation with his health and 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 him being out, it's easy to write this team off. And yet they keep on ticking, man. They really do, and they're certainly ticking in the right direction right now, which is which is fun for the league because anytime Sidney Crosby's relevant, uh, it's great for hockey. Absolutely. I also the the Minnesota Wild that gives an honorable mention as well. Eight and two in their last ten. They're on a five game winning streak. And they're getting some uh, some some goaltending from Philip Gustafson, former Senators uh, goaltender. So uh, good to see there in Minnesota. All right, some guys on the or some teams rather on the opposite Oof. side of the argument who are stalking downward. And I think the number one on the list is got to be the New Jersey Devils, who were yes. the hottest team to start the season. And now, all of a sudden, you take a look. They're no longer at the top of the Metro Division. They lost that last night to the Carolina Hurricanes. And all of a sudden, they're just, they're, they're, they've lost a bunch of games here in a row. Um, how many games have they lost? Four games in a row that they've lost here for the New Jersey Devils. Just three wins in their last ten. Um, the goaltending hasn't been as elite as it was earlier. Uh, so this is a team that I think is, is trending downward. Um, I don't know if, I mean, Earlier, it seemed like they were 100%. This team's going to make the playoffs. They might be yeah. Stanley Cup contenders earlier in the season. And now you look at it. I mean, the Rangers, who are one of the teams that are stocking up, only three points back of the Devils for a wild card spot. <clears throat> yeah, you're right. I mean, we were making uh, everybody was making fun of the reporter who asked Jack Hughes, oh, what was it, about a month ago, about, hey, you know, could you guys play a little more complete game? And Hughes had that line about how, hey, we're on a nine-game heater. I think we're doing all right. <laughs> well, now they're on, I think, actually, I was just counting it up, Al's brother. I believe they're on a six-game freezer, if you want to call it that, uh, where they've got one point in their last six games. Uh, oh. It's ugly, man. It's ugly. And the team that suddenly, it looked, you're right, it looked like a team that was you know speedy and, and uh, tough to handle and a team that was going to, blast into the playoffs and suddenly you're not so sure about that because I do think there are questions about you know the well-roundedness of their game now Jack Hughes has not been the problem Hughes has been the one guy who's continued to play but uh, that Jesper Bratt's kind of disappeared a little bit there's been a lot of guys who were hot early in the year who have not been producing to the level that's going to be necessary for for Lindy Ruff's team here and and uh, you know all those people that were saying sorry Lindy might be wondering maybe they need to get those fire Lindy chants uh, back up and running here in a couple of weeks if things don't improve. 
Yeah, potentially, potentially. But uh, I, I think like that's just it's a talented team. That's the thing. It they're, is. They're an extremely talented team. Um, I, I still look at them as a team that's going to make the playoffs. But maybe there's you know some warts, and this is their adversity that they're going through, and uh, they, they they'll come out on the on the other side. Okay, I believe. Uh, another team that is stocking down. We're, we're kind of sticking in the same division here for these teams, but t- to me, the New York Islanders are going in the wrong direction. I, yes, I thought they, they were they were certainly overachieving early on in the season. Like when they came into Toronto and they won that game, I remember looking at the numbers and we looked at them defensively, which was interesting because the last couple of years they've been known as being a very well structured, stingy defensive team, and then all of a sudden they get a new coach in Lane Lambert and that structure goes away. And, you know, they had Ilya Sorokin, who was bailing them out most nights because their expected goals uh, against and and their chances, their high-danger chances they were given up, were 31st and 30th in the National Hockey League. That's not a recipe for success. No. And they were getting bailed out by Sorokin, like I said, and they were somehow winning games, and they were, you know, firmly in a playoff spot. Well, you look at them, and and now that's kind of being exposed. Sorokin hasn't been that great for him he's been fine but he hasn't been otherworldly and this is a team also that now has only three wins in the last 10 games yeah they're struggling i mean now if i'm going to defend him i i'm not sure they're as in dire straits as you know new jersey who's just been getting you know skated off the ice these past handful of games like all these losses they've been accruing they lost to the bruins by a goal uh in in a shootout they you know they lost to uh they lost to the coyotes which was in, in regulation which is unforgivable <laughs> although it was on the road uh but it's been, it was a one goal loss they lost uh, the other night to the avalanche uh in in a shootout a rare uh, 0-0 tie that ended uh, with the one nothing proverbial win for Colorado after the shootout. So they haven't been, you're, they're still stingy. They're not getting blown off the ice. They still keep the games close, but they haven't been you know scoring enough to to make it happen for them. And that's always going to be a question mark with this team. Can they can they score enough to be relevant as good as they can be defensively? Yeah, and and over the course of the last month of uh, of December. A 50.49% expected goal for uh, differential, which is ranked 18th in the NHL. So, you know, middle of the pack, which, to be honest, is where I expected them to be coming into the season. Uh, so I think they're just coming down to earth a little bit. And another team that is stocking down in a couple of ways is the Philadelphia Flyers. I mean, I didn't think their stock was high to begin with, but now they're also with this whole Kevin Hayes, John Tortorella situation. I mean, their stock is just plummeting um, as a team. Yes, yeah, they're they're plummeting, and and it's and it's the the the, the push and pull, the tug of war between coach and players here. And John Tortorella is, you know, talking about tr- having to stick to his standards. And so he healthy scratches his top point getter the other night uh, in a big loss, a 6-3 loss uh, to the Rangers, which, you know, to me, that's that to me is is the beginning of the end. When you start doing stuff like that, like, you know, shutting down your best guy to make a statement, I think today's players start to, to roll their eyes and shake their head and say, this is this is a circus. Yeah. And John Tortorella wants to blame the media for asking about how how Kevin Hayes is playing uh, when Kevin Hayes gets back in the lineup in a win over Columbus 
uh, last night, I guess it was, and, and Tortorella tries to say it's the media that's you know putting a, a divide between the coach and the player, which is you know which is absolutely you know disingenuous, and John Tortorella should know better. But he's got to make an enemy somewhere, and so he chooses the media. You know, it's it's kind of laughable. We've seen the act so many times from John Tortorella, and I just think it's I think it's outlived its usefulness. Players are too smart nowadays. You can't fool them. You can't uh, you can't get BS past them, and, and sometimes Tortorella tries to. Yep. Well, that does it for uh, our today's edition of the Five Days of Christmas. Uh, stocking up, stocking down. Uh, all right. Up next, we got Jim Ralph. He was in the building last night. He was calling the game uh, as the color analyst. We'll get back into last night's win over the Tampa Bay Lightning when he joins us. I'm Mike DiStefano with Dave Festchuk of the Toronto Star. You listen to Leafs Lunch here on TSN 1050. Now, back to Leafs Lunch on TSN 1050. The Leafs live here. Leafs Lunch continues here on TSN 1050. It's Mike DiStefano with Dave Festchuk of the Toronto Star. We're recapping a 4-1 win of the Toronto Maple Leafs last night against a team that's gone to the Stanley Cup final three years in a row in the Tampa Bay Lightning. They had eliminated Toronto in the playoffs a year ago. So it was a pretty, pretty important defeat, I think. Uh, one that the Maple Leafs certainly will look back on and, and, and potentially could be meaningful at some point here down the road. Uh, to join us, a man who was in the building calling the game last night, Jim Ralph, TSN 1050 Leafs color analyst. What's going on, Ralphie? Oh, not much, Michael. How are you guys doing? Ah, we're doing all right. I mean, last night was a pretty, pretty clean, sound game from the Maple Leafs, I thought. And, you know, we were talking about it prior to yesterday's game about how, you know, maybe this game has a little bit more stock in it than a traditional Tuesday night December game. Did you feel like maybe, you know, the emotion that we saw within that game would, would you know, proved that to be true? Uh, I'm, I have to be honest with you. I think by April, none of us are going to remember this. <laughs> <laughs> you, don't th- you don't think they'll remember? I don't know. Why Jeez, is that? Ralphie, come on, man. <laughs> oh, I mean, you know what? They, I, I don't think, uh, you know, if you ever beat Tampa in seven games in the first round, you're going to say, yep, that game in December was the turning point for us. <laughs> I, but I, but I will right. say this. I think that their best, uh, you know, some of their best efforts this year have been uh, in New Jersey, even though they got the, the three goals called back by the Devils. The Devils were on a winning streak. Boston came in and was on a winning streak. And uh, that might have been their best game of the season before last night. So I think uh, combined what it shows is that they can play with the best in the league and, and at times dominate the best in the league. So I think that's that's what you might take away from it more than, you know, you, you beat a team that knocked you out of the playoffs in December. Ralphie, I wanted to get your take. You, you've been watching Michael Bunting all year. It's been kind of a funny season for Bunting because, you know, it's a contract year for him. Uh, we know early in the year he and Sheldon Keefe uh, were not necessarily seeing eye-to-eye on how he should be playing. He was demoted uh, off a top-six role for some time. Last night, though, he finds himself in prime form, not only scores the one-timer uh, that was the first goal of the game, but you know draws the ire of the opponents in the way only Michael Bunting can. Uh, gets buried into the boards by a cheap Kucherov hit, gets slashed by Sergachev, who gets fined $5,000. He's in the center of it all, uh, including a row with the linesman Dan Kelly. You know What have you made of the evolution of Bunting's season so far? Yeah, well, you know what, David, I think it was sort of indicative that, that, you know, the top six weren't working at the start of the year, and that's why 
you know, Martin and Matthews were split up, and you know, it was sort of a constant, uh, um, you know, chemistry uh, test for uh, for Sheldon Keith to try to find combinations that'll work. So, I think he just, you know, he was just part of that. I don't think it was him specifically, but. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, right off the bat, it wasn't Matthews, Marner, and Bunting no working like they had in the past. So, but uh, you know, I think he he had the two goal game in Pittsburgh, and then hasn't scored for another eight or ten. But uh, yeah, you're starting to see. You know, there's there's some guys that always say I have to be on the edge to play well, and uh, sometimes you shrug your shoulders, and other times you say, "Yep, that seems about right." And Michael Bunting seems to be one of those guys that to be to be fully engaged in the game, he's. Uh, He's got to be the most noticeable guy on the ice for, for better or for worse. In conversation with Jim Ralph, TSN 1050 Leafs color analyst, um, you know, we kind of keep on that theme about Michael Bunting in the top six. And, you know, early, once they got split up, it was Mitch Marner and John Tavares and that second line that was heating up. And Tavares or Marner ripped off that 23-game heater. And then of late, the last few games, and last night in particular, it's been that top line that has been uh, the catalyst for the Maple Leafs. Do you think that we'll see a, a much longer extended look at Matthews and Marner split up here and, and give these lines a real big run? Or do you think at some point keeps thinking about putting these two, uh, these two back together soon? Uh, I, I think it'll be a, a shorter, shorter period to put them back together than it was to take them apart. I think, you know, if they go three or four games where, um, you know, the offense isn't there, I, th- I think it's a pretty – uh, pretty much a no-brainer just to throw them back together. I mean, I think any time you've got one of the best setup guys in the league um, with one of the best finishers in the league, it's uh, it's probably what you want ideally. And and you know the other side of it is you almost start to think that William Nylander can can drive a line on his own the way yeah. he's played this year. Yeah. So I so I think that's you know that would play into the equation. I I don't think it would be uh, too long. Obviously, when you're on a point streak and a minor had his own personal point streak and everything's going well. You're not even going to consider it. But I think if, if you had a three or four game stretch, which they will at some point, where um, things are going offensively, I, um, if I had to guess, I would say come playoff time, uh, it'll be Matthews and Marner back together. Yeah, for sure, Ralphie. So I was curious about your thoughts. You, you and you and Bonesy were in the booth last night uh, for the game down at Scotiabank Arena, and there was that moment, a bit of a strange one, where you saw Dan Kelly attempting to usher Michael Bunting off the ice, and then get, getting quite physical in uh, shoving Michael Bunting off the ice. And Bunting had some, uh, you know, some colorful words to say. You could, if you're a lip reader, uh, after that <laughs> happened, you've seen a lot of crazy things happen in, in the NHL over the years, Ralphie. What did you make of that particular uh, interaction? Nah, I don't think it was anywhere close to Ty Domi beating up a fan in Philadelphia. <laughs> <laughs> Not quite. <laughs> you know? That was something no, else. No. It was, uh, I don't know, I think maybe at first Bundy was trying to draw an extra penalty and then realized, oh, you know. This is the ref. This is going to work. But <laughs> right. I, I think from the from the linesman's point of view, because it looked like uh, there was going to be a scrum, uh, at least had the extra guy on the ice. And probably the best guy to get off at that point was Michael Bunting. So um, I, I know the, uh, the linesman is a former, uh, former defenseman that played in the American League. And... Uh, you know, as as much as it, you know, it was a big deal about it. Um, I think he probably did the right thing. You know, if, if to make sure it didn't escalate. Um, you know, make sure it's four on four, and you get the one guy that might stir it up the most um, off the ice. I mean, I didn't think it was 
you know, if it was if it was one player against another, uh, we wouldn't be talking about this. But because it was a linesman and, and he was pushing <laughs> pushing Bunting to the exit, uh, we probably got a little more uh, a little more play than I think it should have. I didn't uh, I didn't look at it as, as this monumental moment in uh, in sports. Kelly Arncroft returned to the lineup last night. Didn't play a, a whole lot. The 12 minutes and 50 seconds registered an assist on one of the uh, the empty netters. But what did you make of of Yarncroft's return to the lineup? Yeah, solid. I mean, it's you know they've they've just had a tough time filling the left side beside uh, uh, John Tavares. Mm-hmm. Um, you know whether whether it was you know with Nylander earlier, we've seen uh, you know Dennis Maligan. Obviously, that didn't work. Nick Robertson got hurt in his latest stint and. We've seen Alex Kerfoot there, so um, I, I think ideally you want the bunting type, you know, the the guy that can get in heavy on the forecheck and and create turnovers for them. Um, I, I don't know that it's it's worked to that extent so far, uh, but uh, you know, Yaron Kroc gets hurt, you know, early in his audition for that second line spot. So uh, I think you got to give it a few more games to see if if in fact you've got that um, that chemistry that can. Um, you know, make you a more balanced top six. Hey, uh, Ralphie, I was curious about, uh, you know, the way the Maple Leafs dominated the possession of the puck last night, holding Tampa to eight shots through two periods, a uh, season low 19 shots uh, for the entirety of the game. Uh, obviously, really impressive from a Maple Leafs perspective. But if you're if you're in the goal net for the Maple Leafs, uh, like Matt Murray was, what how challenging do you think that was for Murray to stay engaged when his team's down on the other end laying 40 shots on Vasilevsky and, the, and there's not a ton of traffic coming his way for long stretches? Yeah, and, uh, you know, it helped getting the two-goal lead anyway. I think, you know, if it's a one-goal game here, <laughs> sure. you're looking up at the shot clock and you're going, oh, no. Uh, you know, that, that's when a goaltender's in a position where he can only lose it for you. Uh, he can't win it. Uh, gave up the one goal off the face-off, which was off a rebound, and um, I don't think you'd say it was a bad goal at all, but yeah, it can be tough sometimes because you know you're in a position now that you outplayed the opposition. But you know, once Tampa made it two-one in the third, and I think they had six comeback third-period wins uh, this year already, and you're thinking, you know, they're so skilled that um, you know if they get a power play or you know an odd man rush, uh, you could find yourself going into overtime in a game that you've dominated. So uh, yeah, it's difficult for a goaltender because, like I said, you. You know, even when you know Ken Dryden in the late seventies uh, with those Montreal teams, a lot of times he'd have eighteen to twenty shots, but he'd have to make two or three really difficult saves at the right time in the game uh, to allow the Canadians to get going. And I, that sort of reminded me of Murray last night, where he still came up with some big saves, but obviously not as noticeable as the guy at the other end. In conversation with Jim Ralph, our TSN ten fifty color analyst i'm curious to get your thoughts on we'll stick with the theme of of goaltending because both matt murray and Ilya samsonov really have been fantastic uh, so far this year i don't think anybody could have asked for uh, any more of what they've been able to provide both of which in the 920s and say percentage and pretty solid when it comes to uh, their, their goals against average as well have it, has it gotten to a point, Ralphie, where you're comfortable enough to, you know, say, look at these two goalies and just know that you're going to get a good effort each and every night they're out there? Have they earned that trust from you and, and from Sheldon Keefe, you think? Well, I'm, I, I would go a step further, Mike, and say that uh, for whatever reason, it doesn't make sense when you look at the injuries, that uh, this is the best 
defensive team I've seen from the Leafs in a long, long time. Mm-hmm. Now, even you go back to the Curtis Joseph era, or, um, you know, you, all, you almost have to go back to the early 90s when it was the Bob Rouse, Todd Gill, Sylvain Lefebvre, Dave Ellett uh, era where they, they, they protect exceptionally well. And, uh, you know, even with the offense of Tampa, they didn't give, a lot, give up a lot off the rush. Uh, Mark Giordano might be quietly the, the, the most valuable guy they've had in the blue line. Yeah, and wow. if um, you know, the, so if that continues, that makes it easier for the goaltenders. You know, you, you get some offense at the other end, and uh, rebounds are cleared, and, and players are boxed out, and um, I think the goaltenders have benefited from that. So, I think the, the bottom line is, I think the trust goes both ways. Where uh, you do your job and allow me to do mine, and nobody has to start second guessing. Yeah, no, there's no doubt about it, Ralphie, and and it's interesting that. You know, we are exactly a month removed from Morgan Riley's last game before he went down with the MCL injury. Uh, Darren Dreger of TSN reporting yesterday that it's likely that Morgan Riley, who is now skating, is still a couple of weeks away from returning. But you look at the numbers since Riley went down, and of course that coincided with the news around Jake Muzzin being gone for the year uh, and, and TJ Brody also being out with an oblique injury at the time. They are in the 13 games since. They're 10-2-1, and and they are the best defensive team in the league as measured by goals against per game played at 1.92, Ralphie. You know, what does it say that their number one defenseman went out and they played better defense than they ever have? Yeah, and even let's not forget that Victor Mate comes in and gets hurt. Uh, Jordy Ben comes in and gets hurt. And, you know, you you think especially when it's happened, when the Leafs were struggling a little bit, you thought, okay, now you're going to see what kind of resolve and what kind of characters in the dressing room because uh, you got off to the slow start and now you've got an excuse. Right. So you either ride that excuse and say, okay, we're a 500 team, but we got to wait till we get guys back or everybody's going to take on the added responsibility and as a team play better. And, and I think that's what's been impressive about it is that, you know, everybody's hunkered down and, and you know, you hope uh, that's going to lead to, to being even better once Morgan Riley uh, gets back. So, I mean, I, I just think it's uh, it, it's been impressive that uh, the team facing adversity, both in the standings and on the injured list, uh, find a way to play, you know, the best hockey of the year. So I I think that's um, – and, and then at the same time, uh, you're getting a look at something like Connor Timmons. I don't think anybody looked and thought, oh, boy, this is going to be a huge move for the Leafs. Uh, but now it looks like you got a pretty reliable guy that, you know, if – um, you know, you're going to need depth uh, down the stretch into the postseason, and um, he, he looks like a pretty valuable pickup for Kyle Dubas. Yeah, and, I mean, the injury bug continues to hit the blue line, so you, you can't they can't have enough blue liners apparently this season with now Rasmus Sandin, who's going to be uh, reevaluated but not going to play tomorrow. Uh, really appreciate it, as always, Ralphie. Uh, if I don't see you or talk to you between now and for the rest of the week, have a very Merry Christmas and enjoy the holidays. Well, you can still text me. That's true. I'll shoot you a note. I'll shoot you a note, pal. (laughs) And one of those Uh, cute pictures, those family pictures of a dog. I will. I'll send it to you. We got a little, there's a nice little uh, sweater he's got, a little dog sweater. (laughs) Uh, I knew you'd do it. Thanks, Mikey. Thanks, David. All right. See you, Ralphie. Jim Ralph, TSN 1050 Leafs uh, color analyst. Um, He mentioned Victor Mete, by the way, as one of the guys who came in 
Um, it was announced yesterday that Mete's grandfather, unfortunately, was one of the victims in um, in the Vaughn shooting that happened over the weekend. So our thoughts and prayers with uh, with the Mete family, with Victor and everybody else grieving, uh, obviously, over that uh, extremely unfortunate and unsettling situation that occurred over uh, over the weekend. Um, on the other side, Dave, uh, JVR was actually on on first up this morning. Mm-hmm. The Leafs are going to be welcoming the Philadelphia Flyers, John Tortorella, Kevin Hayes, that entire clown show into town uh, yes. tomorrow for the uh, for the 2 p.m. next gen game. So w- we've got some some audio about JVR and him talking about you know his potential future and, and what it might be like with that team, kind of according to us stocking down and i mean according to where they are in the standings also uh at a very low point going to be in the bedard bowl most likely so we'll play yes. that audio and uh, chat a little bit about tomorrow's matchup as well i'm mike DeStefano with dave festuck of the toronto star you listen to leafs lunch here on tsn 1050 this is leafs lunch on tsn 1050 the leafs live here i got my peaches out in georgia Leafs Lunch is brought to you by Vanilla Visa prepaid cards available for purchase at Petro Canada, the perfect gift for any occasion. Um, I noted before going to break that JVR was on first up this morning, and you know they were asking him on his future and what he thought, and you know he gave a decent little answer, just talking about how well there's you know some unfinished business here in, in Philadelphia, but we'll play it day by day. And interestingly, I think personally JVR, you know he could maybe be a, a Leafs candidate in a mm-hmm. way, like plays the left side. He's been here before. I don't know. Maybe that's something the a thing that I can get into uh, t- tomorrow as the Leafs are going to be playing the Philadelphia Flyers, and you know we'll get our, a, an actual up close and personal view about how JVR is looking. But I was I was checking out. He's about a point per game so far this season, so he's producing. So I don't know potentially. Um, but we did get an update though on Dryden Hunt, Dave. So we took part in line rushes today. The expectation was okay. Maybe he might play in Philadelphia or against the Flyers. Not mm-hmm. likely to happen, according to Sheldon Keith post practice, telling the media. Um, you know, he took part in line rushes. He'll do the same again tomorrow, but not going to play. Zach Aston Reese will remain in the lineup. So uh, no Dryden Hunt. Uh, don't get the present to be able to see him before Christmas. He'll have to wait for his lease debut to come after Christmas. Just Sheldon Keith sending a message to the other guys on the bottom six, like, be on alert, fellas. There's there's guys that can take your spot. Zach Aston Reese, Wayne Simmons, Joey Anderson. Don't get too comfortable. I'll tell you what though, it's it's it works. One time my spot was challenged back when I was playing high school football. Uh, it was we were going into a big game and I don't know, maybe my play had slipped a little bit according to, to the coaches, and coach came up to me and said, It's an open competition for the starting role. Uh, starting center position, you bet your ass, Dave, that I had the best practice of my life that day when we were doing our skellies. So it it, it could work, man. When you're challenging your guys in practice, it it it, it sends a message and it could work. Well, hey, I mean, nobody nobody knows cutthroat tactics like Mr. Luke's brothers who put <laughs> Luke Wilson on unconditional waivers. I was brother, you're a cutthroat yeah. dude. Well, didn't didn't fit into the team culture. We'll say that didn't fit into the team culture. And I think tomorrow we'll have to make a pick against Team Luke 
Hayes, I think. Luke Bryan, Brian Wilson, whatever it is. We're a bunch of losers. Doesn't matter. They're losers. Uh, That does it for us here today, though. Dave, great job as always. Um, Canada-Slovakia tonight on TSN4, a little World Junior preliminary action. So that'll be be a good game that you can watch tonight. But that does it for us today. If you find the podcast, wherever you get your podcast from, uh, also up on tsn1050.ca. Gameplay coming up next.